Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. You can find me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. I'm very excited to welcome on a very special guest, Aaron Cheris. Aaron has spent his entire career in sports media, much like me, but in a variety of sports. He has worked for the Albany Devils, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, the Gwinnett Braves, the New York Cosmos, the Birmingham Barons, where he worked with my buddy Timmy, who you can hear on the second episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. And now Aaron is the communications associate with the Charlotte Knights AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. We'll dive into this interview with Aaron Cheris when we come back from this break. Welcome on to the Pulling Tar Podcast, Aaron. First question, how does it feel to be the first guest that I personally don't know? Well, it it feels pretty good. Obviously, we haven't met personally, and I think, though, the main thing about this is that everybody in minor league baseball, especially once you've gone through a couple seasons, you feel comfortable with one another. You've all, no matter what city you've in, you've been through a similar season. You've all been through the grind together, so it feels like it's a pretty open family and, uh, Happy to be a part of it, and uh, looking forward to sharing some stories with you. Absolutely. Thank thank you again for coming on. Um, and like you said, everybody in minor league baseball is connected one way or the other. It's, it's like, you know, you know a handful of people that I know. I know a handful of people that you worked with, and that, all that kind of stuff. So it's great to finally bring all that together. Um Aaron, can you go into your daily duties during the season and during the off-season as communications associate for one of the fastest-growing markets in all of MILB? Well, it's uh, busy. Well, it's been busy. I mean, obviously, I got started in around last year when I first started in around early February with just getting the media guide together, just doing the entire media guide from scratch almost, updating all the stats, all the records, all the information on the other teams, like making sure every little detail was right and then writing bios for 30 to 40 players right and, right and you don't even know what players there are i know last year i had to cut four or five out two days before it went to print and put in four or five new guys so it's just kind of staying on top of all that with the white Sox updating the pictures on all that for the media guide also we were hosting college games obviously we're uh, mm-hmm. had to cancel a few of those right now but we're just getting right. credentials for that getting everything ready uh that's the off season. Obviously, try and relax a little bit when you can because the grind is coming. 140 games in 153 days, and then once the season starts, if it's a home game, I'm usually at the ballpark around noon. I do the game notes every single day for all 140 of them. I write stories for the program, ran a social media, update the website if I can, and then just a lot of my job seems like it's making sure everybody has what they need. I'm like making sure the announcers have the game notes or if they have a question about the stats or pronunciations, 
Mm-hmm. Evan Baines or making sure both managers have updated rosters for both teams. Seems like half my job is just running papers all over the stadium at times, <laughs> but it's just making sure everybody has what they need. Or if it's a, a player saying, Hey, Aaron, could you up to help update my walk up song? Or where this media company saying, Hey, we need some pictures of this player for our website or that all sorts of things. And it's just, Hey, if we have a celebrity guest, as we had a lot in Charlotte, it's making sure that, they have what they need, and they're, we do a lot of interviews with them, and they're obviously signing autographs for the fans, so we have to make sure they're at the autograph table in line, and then I get that content for social. And then once the game starts, it's just I have one of the luckiest jobs. I get paid to watch the game. I mean, it's right. Sid, I watch the game. I live tweet it. I cut some of the highlights uh, off the live MILB feed okay, uh, and uh, post them as we go. And last year in Charlotte, we had a lot of highlights from some good players, and then after the game, write the recap, go home, get a little sleep, and then do it all again. <laughs> right, right. Um, I want to – this wasn't on the outline that I gave you, but yeah. I do want to um, just address the uh, change in the the back of the website. Like, how how's that going? I know everybody might be a little frustrated with that. I, I'm glad that I'm not going through that again because we just did that, like, what, a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah. Well, I'm fortunate here in Charlotte. We have a very uh, we have a larger staff than many minor league teams. So uh, my experience with the uh, home base, I love home base. I've been using it for years, very mm-hmm. comfortable with it. Uh, but right now in Forge, I'm pretty much learning how to post articles and maybe update the media wall a little bit. But we have a very uh, large team, so there are other people who handle like the promo section of the website or the ticket section of the website, mm-hmm. which are the main uh, drivers for the website. Oh so wow. I haven't really had uh, too much experience in those ends, at least in Charlotte. But it's uh, learning Forge. It's been the at least from posting articles and standpoint, it's been actually pretty easy. It seems like most blogs that I've used throughout my career. And uh, I mean, I, I wish they would do this in uh, October, November rather than uh, <laughs> right. February, March. But I mean, it's uh, you learn to roll with the punches, and uh, just once you start using it daily, it'll be, it'll be okay. And same thing like they did with the, uh, the new stats portal last year. They, uh-huh. so that was a tough adjustment, but it's just to give you so much more detailed information now. Like we even looked up Charlotte Knights stats from 1993 in oh, five wow. minutes. We could look that stuff up in five minutes now. So, uh, whereas in like, okay. we're looking for team records and season highs and career highs and all that stuff. Okay. Um, I go back I'll, we'll see if you do. I go back as far as, um, do you remember there was a cheetah in home base that like when you were, when you were doing, putting something to beta or to production, there would be a cheetah that ran across the street, across the screen. I think that's a little before my time. I've heard of the cheetah and I've heard of, uh, other technologies through the, the data casting system for the pitch by pitch that when I would try and ask our press box staff what they were doing, they would say, Hey, we're just doing it the old school way. And I say, okay, whatever works for you. Right. right. As long as it works, I'm not going to question it. Yeah. Um, before, before we used to have stringers, um, or I guess before we had stringers, we used to just call in every half inning, um, and ex, you know, explain what happened in that half inning, and that's how it got updated. Um, so that was a little bit of old school um, way. I also hired a guy as a uh, as an official scorer in Beloit, and he came up to me. He was an older gentleman, and he had done it 
20 years ago and he asked me well what do i do with um with my sheet that i filled out you know for the game and i i said you know just hang on to it for a day or two um and then you can throw it away you know in case we needed to change something and he said he said you mean we don't have to send this to the league office i was like no like apparently they used to fax it to the league office huh i didn't know that yeah and that is some pretty, uh, uh, I've seen a few different ways of scoring games and, uh, and definitely hadn't seen that one like on a physical piece of paper. I know some scores, they use a computer to, to score the game on their own program mm-hmm. where everybody keeps a pen and a piece of paper scorebook, but that, that's a new one. And I don't know, it's one of those things where it's just everybody has their own way and none of them are necessarily wrong until they don't work. <laughs> right, right. Um, with the big news that almost every sporting event has been canceled or postponed for the foreseeable future due to the spread and the scare of the coronavirus, including all minor league games, what's the vibe in the Charlotte front offices and in the city as a whole right now? Uh, well, in the city as a whole, I mean, I'm in Mecklenburg County in North Carolina, and there haven't been a ton of reported cases as there are in other cities and states which i'm very thankful for uh from a baseball standpoint i mean it's it's tough i mean we got the news on a thursday afternoon i mean we haven't had a lot of college games scheduled at bbnt ballpark for the next few weeks and uh we were canceling all of those and writing up statements on thursday to uh, announce those cancellations and we have uh, other events and things that are obviously going to be postponed or canceled too but in terms of uh the minor league season i didn't i mean you had a feeling it was coming but it wasn't right. official until about thursday at five o'clock ish and we had closed the office for friday for uh just they closed the office to have some things uh cleaned at the stadium we hosted a game last tuesday not that there's any fear or any threat, but we just had the state clean to be extra cautious. Right. And uh, so we haven't really processed that as a group yet. I know uh, it was coming and uh, it's a little disappointing. I mean, everybody was looking forward to the first, the start of the season on April 9th and the home opener on April 16th. And then now it looks like all those days are going to be pushed back. But uh, I think we all know that it's for the better, greater, for the greater good, excuse me. And uh, we'll roll with the punches. And uh, I know that eventually when we do start the season, it's going to feel a little more meaningful. Sure. And uh, hopefully it'll be a little more uh, passionate from players, from the coaches, and from us as a group. And hopefully hopefully we'll get to that point in the near future. But right now it's just a little disappointment. That and we're still weeks away from what would have been the first game anyway. So right. we're all kind of still in off-season mode. And I guess that's just going to carry on for a little bit longer than most would have liked to. Okay, and you said that the Charlotte Knights offices are closed at this point. Um, do you know when you're going to start back yeah, we're up? Su- we're supposed to go back in on Monday. I okay. Mean, uh, yeah, we just closed on Friday. I mean, it's nothing, and we're supposed to go back in on Monday. Um, like I said, the, the area we're in hasn't been uh, too affected as of uh, right now on Sunday afternoon, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll go in on Monday and... We'll just go one day at a time. It's the old cliche, but that's all you can really do right now is just go and right. hopefully the situation improves and we'll eventually get a date that we to want to start the season. Hopefully won't be too long and uh, then we could get back to preparing for whatever opening day may be to put on a good show. Okay. 
Alright. Fantastic. Um and what has been the feelings of the fan base on social media? Um, right, sure. when you when you announced that we're postponing the start of the regular season, what you know, what did fans say about that on social I mean, media? I, I think that the uh I think that the fans, I mean, like I just said, I think the fans understand it's for the greater good. I think the hard, I mean, it was just the hard part might have been canceling some of those college games because, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's because we have a lot of, like, there were six or seven schools looking to come in here and I know the opportunity for them to play in a nice professional ballpark like BB&T Ballpark in Charlotte would have been amazing for a lot of them and we had a game on Tuesday so it mm-hmm. just kind of felt like we were getting back into the swing of things and in terms of like a night's perspective I mean I know it's a, a disappointment I mean they here in Charlotte you have the Hornets and the Knights and the minor league AHL Charlotte Checkers hockey team so mm-hmm. it's it's so it's so everything's kind of on hold right now and it's Obviously, it's disappointing, but I think at this point, everybody on social media knows it's for the greater good. So the reception's been like, "Okay, we'll be with you, and uh, we'll we'll be back together real soon." So it's just that's been kind of the sentiment in person and on social media. So it's hopefully we'll be back soon, and we can uh, get through this together. And eventually, when that day does happen, it will be a great day. Right, right. Yeah, hopefully this is this doesn't go on very long. Um, I know I'm missing sports on TV a lot. I know you are, um, you're a big sports fan, just like me. Um, what are you, what are you getting into now that there's no sports on TV? You know, that's a great question. I mean, this weekend I, uh, I, well, not this weekend recently, I got a PS4. Okay. Finally joined the club. So I've been playing a lot of NHL 20, uh, watching some movies. My boss, uh, Tommy Viola, he recommended the movie 61, so I just watched that um, the other day. Okay. Really enjoyed it, so I'm just kind of looking through the internet, trying to find some movies and TV shows, and obviously just trying to, uh, occasional video games, and just trying to get outside a little bit, go play some tennis with a, with a friend, or shoot some basketball in the park, something like that, just okay. to keep, stay active, so that's what I've been doing, and just trying to stay active and keep the mind and the and the body ready to get back to work and hopefully have a season soon. All right, all right. Uh, To change gears here a little bit, uh, can you share any funny stories from working with Timmy in Birmingham? So I've got one story. Um, This was, I don't know if this is the funniest story, but it just shows you a lot about Timmy. Uh, (laughs) We were, as I think he mentioned on on your podcast, if, in the previous episode in Birmingham in 2018, we were hosting the Southern league all-star game. And, uh, so that was a big deal. And that was my first year in Birmingham. That was my first time hosting an all-star game. So I, it was, uh, that in Birmingham was kind of like the co-media relations director. Lots of long story for a later time, okay. but it was me and one other person, we were pretty much in charge of the media and the press box. So we were sitting in, me and the other media relations person were sitting in the press box, like that was our workstation all the time. We were sitting there, and there was, there's a sink, and there's a little coffee maker, all that stuff in there, and uh, all of a sudden we're sitting there, we just hear this sound in the background, and we turn around, and we open the cabinet, a pipe under the sink had just explo- like exploded. Okay. Like the pipe was, like there was water, like we opened up the cabinet under the sink, there was water everywhere. 
like the press box is carpeted so we're like pushing the chairs out of the way we're pushing the tail out of the way so we went from just sitting at our computers to 10 seconds later it seemed like we're fighting off a flood uh it's just it, it was just complete chaos so i'm pushing the tables and chairs out of the way making sure there's nothing on the floor like making sure all the computers are, are out of the spray zone mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden we're just i went and i don't know what happened but we eventually we we were like, where's Timmy? We got to find Timmy to help us with this. Okay. So eventually yep. we fa- eventually we found him and he came in, he took off his shoes. Just by that point, the press box was about an inch. Like most of the room was about under an inch or two of water. And uh, he just comes in, he just put on his, just took off his shoes, walks through the puddle, goes under the sink, like turns the switch or whatever to stop the running water. So I think we just turned off the water in the press box for a while. So, so then within five minutes, he turned it off. We had a water vacuum up there. We were just, I mean, so and we were getting the water out. It took hours to get, like, the with the water vacuum to get all the water out. And by the next day, it had just left this ungodly smell of, of carpeted water. Right. So we got some of those, we got some of those Febreze plugs to okay. make it better. But it was just, like, a week before hosting the All-Star Game, like, one of the biggest events of my career at that point. And the press box was under an inch and a half of water. Uh, so I think that'll just uh, explain. Like, I'll give Timmy right. He just walked right in. He's like, all right, I got this. He came right in. He fixed it. We resolved the problem pretty quickly. And I think actually after that, I left the water off in the press box for the rest of the season because I was so afraid of it happening again during a game where we wouldn't be able to contain it as easily. Right. So, we, so it was a, that was a tough um, bill to swallow at the time. Because uh, the press box, I mean, you know, if you're working in baseball and you're in a media role, the press box is your your livelihood. It's your home, pretty much. And right. that was under an inch of water. So I'm just oh. happy that all of our electronics were safe. And Timmy came in, he fixed it right away. We got rid of all the stuff that was damaged. And he just he just came in, like, was like hands and knees on the floor in the water, pulling the switches to make sure everything was turned off. And so Timmy, uh, give him, uh, he Timmy was very good and in that situation, very helpful, solved our statehood emergency, which is about as an emergency as we had in Birmingham. I've seen in five, this is my fifth year working in minor league baseball. That was probably the most panic I had is when the press box was flooding. So we, uh, he, he solved that problem pretty quickly. So that's my one uh, good Timmy story that I can remember off the top of my head. And I'm very thankful he was there that day. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy is, is Mr. Fix it. Um, it's, it's incredible what he can do. Um, I saw some incredible things that he did in Beloit with next to nothing. Um, so, so yeah, shout out to Timmy, one of my groomsmen in my wedding in December. Um, yeah, shout out to Timmy. Hope you're doing well, man. Yeah. Haven't talked to you in a while. Yep. Absolutely. And we're going to wrap up this, uh, episode with Aaron Cheris, uh, when we come back after this break. Okay. Welcome back, Aaron. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, what are your thoughts about one of your former teams changing from the Colorado Springs Sky Sox to the Rocky Mountain Vibes? I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously it was. It's a little. When I first heard the news that they were going from AAA to rookie ball, 
it was obviously a little disappointing. That was my first right. job at a like three months out of college. I moved from New York all the way out there to that was my that was twenty one. That was my first job out of college. Just okay. period. Yep. So it's uh, it was it's obviously a little disappointing. And even when I was there in twenty sixteen, there was talk of maybe uh, moving down a few levels. And I think that. There are a lot of reasons for that, the main one being the weather mm-hmm. and the fact that uh, there, as a Milwaukee Brewers farm team, you don't really need to be pitching at altitude. Right, sure. But, uh, I mean, when, when I, so obviously there's a little disappointment when you hear that, but I know that uh, everybody there took it in stride, and I heard some of the uh, suggestions for the names, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then once I saw the final product of the Rocky Mountain Vibes with Toasty and all that stuff on the jerseys and, and the, the fire and the s'mores and all that. I love it. I love it. Great name. Really catchy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's invigorated new life into that franchise. And uh, I think they're doing great. And I hope, and I know they're supposed to host the uh, the All-Star game this year okay. out there. And uh, it, I love it. And uh, I, I I love Colorado Springs. I miss it a little bit. And oh, yeah. uh, at the time, it was just so different than anything else but i didn't know that at the time Mm -hmm. like i I, my first weekend in baseball the home opener was friday night and the whole day we're like okay it's probably gonna snow we're probably not gonna play and then at 5 30 we're like oh geez it didn't snow we're gonna have to play this game Mm -hmm. so we played it was like 40 degrees when it started went four hours i think we lost like 13 to 12 or something ridiculous like that in a nine inning game and that specific Coast League Baseball before the juice ball. And then the Saturday, we had a foot of snow. Don't even come to the ballpark. We're snowed out. Oh, wow. Sunday, we're snowed out again. Come to the stadium. We got to shovel the field. Oh, <laughs> so it was just the whole staff for like six, seven hours just shoveling the field. And it was a great team bonding experience. Uh, we're just sitting there eating pizza and hot dogs and shoveling the, the outfield. Uh, and then Monday, we were supposed to play a doubleheader. We we got the field ready. We played the first game, and then everybody just said, man, it's cold. Let's just go home. Right. <laughs> so we did. So that was, uh, so my first homestand in baseball was a, a four-hour game in 30 degrees, followed by two snow outs that included shoveling the field. So uh, it's uh, that was something. Then it snowed again in May, and we had to do it all again. Uh, oh, goodness. So that was, uh, so it's, it's that all that kind of fits back into your other question of, why they're short season ball because sure. you're probably not going to be getting a, a lot of snow in June out there. Right. At least I hope not. But uh, so that was a change. I think it needed to happen. It's, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, the Sky Sox will always have a little special place in my heart because of that season. And that was so much fun. And I still talk to a lot of those people sure. from just going through what you go through out there. And that was one hell of a season too. That first job at, in professional baseball. So mm-hmm. I'm very thankful to all the people out there that, uh, help me fit in and lead me to where I am now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I just, I love the Rocky mountain vibes, um, their color scheme, their logo, their jerseys. Um, the mascot's name is toasty, which is a very slight, um, what do I want to say? It's, I don't know. It pays homage to the local, um, Colorado feel, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I I love it. Um, so, as somebody that's 
ran a MILB social media account, multiple, in fact. Um, what's the weirdest message or comment you've received on a team's social media account that you've ran? That's a great question, and I've been trying to think of an answer to this, and there isn't really one thing that comes to mind. It's just everybody who thinks either – I mean, I think there's one that does come to mind. I can't remember where this was. It might have been in Birmingham. Or I think it was in Birmingham. Now I think about it. They were like, "Hey, it's raining in whatever city, thirty-five minutes away. Is the game still on?" Right. It's that. That's like the majority of the the things you get. It's like, well, yes, ma'am, you're thirty-five minutes away. Uh, we play in uh, in downtown Birmingham. The game is still on. That's that's the majority of the questions. It's like that, or it's people who think you can control the roster, or that mm-hmm. we have any say in anything that happens baseball wise. Uh, I mean, it's, it ha- I'm sure there have been that or it's just disappointed fans of major league teams like, oh, what's this guy doing says being down in AAA, he's hitting 400, we need him up in the majors. Right. Or, it's, 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 I, I try to stay away from the replies during the games as much as I can, otherwise I get sidetracked. Mm-hmm. But uh, that or occasionally it's, you, you'll get something really good from a fan and just like a cute picture of a, that like, them with their dog or at bark in the park or a ba- like anything like that. We try and encourage and I try and respond to personally. Like if it's a picture like, Oh, I just brought my kid to his first game. I usually try and respond to those ones. Right. So yeah. Like the, the replies can either make your day and make you smile or they could just, you could just say, eh, and try and close them out and not focus on it. I can't think of one tweet that comes to mind. It's just a lot of, just a lot of questions that seem to not make sense at times, like based on weather or roster moves and which are the two things that you can't really control as a minor league team. Right, right. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of, you know, it's raining here, is the game still on, blah, blah, blah. Um, or where can I try out for the team? Or um, there, I had talked about this in another episode. There was a guy and. This is really strange, but he would message me, well, he'd message the team on Facebook and ask if we could send him pictures of the inside of Snappy's uh, costume. Oh, boy. Um, So that was super weird. Um, And then, I this might have been a bad decision on my part, but... I was working with no marketing budget, and I was just trying to do think outside the box, basically. And I made Snappy a Tinder account in Beloit. Um, so the messages on there were really weird as well. Um, so that was very short-lived, maybe a week or two. Um but yeah, basically every match I would just send them like a link to tickets. You know, opening day is is April 9th or whatever, and just send them the link for tickets. But that it didn't last very long because of the uh, weird messages that we got. You no, know, I, I like the outside the box thinking, and I, I think that maybe would work better for a team like in a lower level in a, in a region where you maybe have a little more freedom to get away with that. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously here in Charlotte, our mascot Homer has his own, um, account that he runs. And, uh, so I don't touch that. Okay. Uh, I just, I just provide the pictures to Homer and, uh, right. you know, if, uh, if Homer, 
Homer's Homer. I mean, he's going to do what he wants. Uh, right. Been running around with Homer for weeks at this point. We did a lot of Valentine's Day deliveries, and the way okay. that people react to that mascot are just incredible. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't quite. I don't think we've gotten to the point where we're going to sign him up for Tinder, but you never say never. And uh, right. uh, any, I wouldn't. I don't know. It's just uh, you know, especially now that we may have some time on our hands, anything I wouldn't rule anything out. And, uh, That's true. It's uh, it's it's a, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what we do now. And uh, I think that I don't know. We'll see. I would never say never, but I don't think that that's something that he's going to do right now. And uh, maybe in a future job where I'm with another team, where maybe you give a little more creative freedom. Right. Uh, that's what we got. Yeah, I I don't know if I would go and suggest it. it. Might do better in different markets, but there's an idea if you ever if you ever need to think outside the box. Um, and where can our listeners find you on social media? Well, I mean, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, my name on both of there is at Aaron A A R O N Howie H O W I E. Howie is a nickname I got in summer camp when i was 13 that's a long story for another day all right uh, so that's i uh, just so i just figured that'd be an easy way to make my social media a unique and uh so yeah that's where you can find me at aaron howie twitter and instagram uh, yeah that's it pretty all much right. from social all right thank you and oh wait hold on i want to go back i missed i totally missed a question here Okay. Uh, what was it like working in soccer, and especially with the New York Cosmos, a team that certainly has a ton of history and who paved the way for American soccer? I grew up playing soccer. I watched the documentary about the New York Cosmos. Um, so, yeah, can you just kind of go in a little bit more in detail yeah, about absolutely. that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was... I, that was an internship that started out as an internship between my junior and senior years of college. I didn't know much about soccer, but Cosmos played on Long Island. Uh, it was a good fit, so I just stayed at home and uh, for the summer and went to work where they played at the Hofstra University Stadium, and I just started there, and I didn't know much about soccer. But that year in 2015, we had a player named Raul, uh, and you know he's big because he's only got his first name on his jersey. Oh, yeah. So I learned that at the time. He was uh, used to play for Real Madrid and the Spanish national team. Oh, wow. And uh, he was 37, so that would end up being his last season. But just going to games and seeing how like people worshipped this man. like They would, they were four or five deep at the railing trying to get his autograph. Just like I've never seen anything like that. And just getting to learn soccer, like as, I mean, I'd known the basics, but I didn't really know what offside was, and I learned all that as we were going on and mm-hmm. getting to talk to the players and the coaches. The coach, Giovanni Savarese, is now the head coach of Portland Timbers and MLS. Okay. Getting to talk to him and know him, and that, and there's something about soccer, it's a lot different than any other sport where it's just so much, like just with the players, it's just so much of like a family atmosphere. Like one day I, I worked that summer with the Cosmos and I came, I was in school at SUNY Albany and the Cosmos made it to the championship game. And I came home from school to work at the championship game. Like that uh-huh. day, I think I shook hands with the assistant coach like five times. It's just such an atmosphere. Like, Hey man, how you doing? Like when you walk in the door, Hey man, how you doing? Nice to see you. Then we're on the field for warmups. Hey man, good luck tonight. Uh, then after the game on the field, we, they won the championship. Hey man, congrats. Nice job. Then we go out to the the party after the game. We're in the locker room after the game. They're uh, 
spraying champagne all over the nice. place. It's like, yeah, we did it. And then after the game, it's like, hey man, nice job. It's just such a like an atmosphere, such a close atmosphere uh, between the staff, the players, and the fans too. I mean, obviously, all the fans very passionate for the Cosmos. Like you said, one of the more historic teams, and getting to learn all that and work with them and see some of these players gone to have big MLS careers, and especially the coach uh, almost winning the championship in his first year. It was yeah. something. Then I actually came after the first two years in minor league baseball. I came back and worked with them for the rest of the season in both 16 and 17. Okay. That was a pretty cool experience. It really kind of helped me, uh, propel me forward because I've taken some of those ideas for content, for game notes, for writing, and nice. transitioned those into baseball. But yeah, that was incredible. I mean, we, the most, two of them were one of the most incredible games I went to. The Cosmos played NYCFC, an MLS team in their yeah. first year. It's called the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, and they played it at Hofstra, and I was in the press box at my first time ever live tweeting the game. Okay. With that day. So that was an interesting day for my debut. Uh, and the Cosmos were down 2 nothing in the 78th minute, and they tied it with a goal in the 90th minute. And it Ooh. went all the way. Pen- penalty kick, shootout. And we five things had to go right for us to stay alive in the shootout, and all five happened, and we won the shootout. Wow. Over NYCFC, there were 11,000 fans in the stands. It was it was, okay. it was they were shooting off flares it was it was bonkers it was like unlike anything i'd ever seen in any game and I, anything since or before so i love soccer i'd love to uh, eventually maybe try and get back into it uh it's it was something else and i i loved working for the cosmos and uh yeah i mean it was i think without that experience i don't think i'd be anywhere close to where i am right now fantastic well thanks for going into all of that and as I had alluded to before, before I realized I had missed a question, um, speaking as a fellow media person in MILB, you have a lot to do with the players' walk-up songs. So during your career in minor league baseball, what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song that you have heard for a team that you work for, and who was that player? So there's there's two that come to mind. The first one I, I can't remember the player. I'm pretty sure it was in Birmingham, and his walk up song was that that Yodel Boy. You remember a couple of years ago that Yodel Boy? Yeah, that was, it was like a remix of that. I swear I can't remember the that player. was that was um it was a player for for the Shorebirds as well. Um, yeah. It was a pitcher named Nick Vespi. Oh, yeah. I think this was a hitter, and that's what caught my attention. Okay. Like, what the heck is this? And then I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, that's really funny. Then the second one that comes to mind, I do remember this, but this was in Charlotte. We had a catcher named Yermin Mercedes, who's actually was uh, just crushing the ball for the White Sox in spring Also training. a former shorebird. Yeah. Yep. So he's, his walk-up song, uh, it was so unique. It was all in Spanish, and I didn't quite get it, but I'm listening to it, and I feel like the guy in the song is saying Yermin in the song. And I asked him about it, and apparently it was – like a relative of his, like a friend or somebody had custom like sang that song for him. It was like, really, it's, it's incredible. It's, uh, I can't uh, try and imitate it and not sound like crazy, but I, so I'm not going to do it, but I, it's on, if you go on the Knights Twitter account, it's somewhere in there. It's, it's incredible. It's like a custom song that someone made for him, which we asked him to translate for us. It pretty much means here comes your meme. He's a big hitter. Going to hit a home run. Here comes your meme. Something wow. like that. So it's custom. It's a custom song, and I'm really hoping that 
when the season eventually restarts that he does eventually uh, make it to the majors so yeah. that everybody else could hear it. But that was something that really stuck, that he had a custom song, and he's a, quite a popular guy on social media, so I was amazed when I heard that. Very but true. Uh, that's definitely one that comes to mind. I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd work to it uh, like Ronald Acuna and Eli Jimenez and Luis Robert, and I, honestly, none of those guys' songs come to mind. Yeah. But it was just that one by your mean really uh, stuck with me, and it was pretty funny. Was the, that, was the Yodel Boy, was that like an EDM remix? I think so. Okay. I think so. It was some sort of remix. And I don't think the player stuck with it very long, though. I think he went in a slump and changed it. Okay. <laughs> but it was, I do remember that for a very, like a few weeks at least in Birmingham. I can't remember the player, and I'm very disappointed. So, um, <laughs> Yerman Mercedes was on the Shorebirds the year before I started working for them. But there's a story that the director of marketing at that point was in charge of all the songs, and um, Yerman had asked him, hey man, can I change my song to this? And I don't know if it was the same song or not, um, but he... and the director of marketing had said, yes, I'll change it for you. And he, you know, went about his day and completely forgot about it until like the batter before Yerman. Um, so he's like scrambling to put it in the computer system before Yerman gets up to bat. And he got it in just in the nick of time. And they, so they played that new song for Yerman and he hit three bombs that game. Wow. He's a, he's a character. I love him. We had a lot of characters last year in China with him. We had Luis Robert hitting home runs. We had Zach Collins. Everybody, well, I mean, everybody was hitting home runs everywhere. But yeah. it was just in Newey where he had one heck of a team last year. And I, especially going from Birmingham to Charlotte, which is the White Sox double A to triple A, right. with a large chunk of the players, getting to see them grow was very fascinating because mm-hmm. I think. I think that experience kind of helped me, and I think it helped me uh, become more friendly with some of them. It's like, hey, I was in Birmingham. I know what you're going through, uh, so be happy to be here, and especially going from probably the best facility in the Southern League to the best facility in the International League uh, probably helps. Yeah, so that was something, just getting to see those guys hit home runs, and obviously we had Eloy Jimenez in Birmingham, and he's a freak of nature. Yeah, he's a freak of rot. Luis Robert. Like I saw, I worked in Gwinnett. I saw Ronald Acuna. I saw cool. Luis Robert. It's, I've been very fortunate with seeing good prospects the last few years, and I know that Luis Robert, when he makes his debut, I'm sure it's going to be a, a season hopefully similar to Acuna's rookie year. Because watching him in Gwinnett for that time that I was there was uh, incredible. He, I just remember one home run he hit. He hit it. I asked the TrackMan guy. Uh, TrackMan, it's like he keeps track of pitch speed and home runs, uh, how far they went, and exit velocity, launch angle, all that stuff. I said, how far did you hit it? And he looked at the computer, looked at me, looked at the computer a second time, looked at me, looked at the computer and said, he hit that ball 120 miles an hour off the bat. Wow. And I said, could you please read that again? And he said, that ball went 120 miles an hour off the bat. Wow. They're just a bomb of a home run in Gwinnett. And it was... Uh, I'm like, okay. Uh, so I wrote that down on a piece of paper and posted that on social, and it just blew up. So nice. that was one of those moments where you kind of catch your breath, and then the radio announcer is like, hey, did I, did I hear that right? And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, so it's been, been – Robert was uh, just 
he had home runs so far that TrackMan couldn't even keep track of him. I mean, wow. He, <laughs> it was. I mean, it was. It's. I don't know. I've been very fortunate, and from a baseball standpoint, the past few years to have some good prospects. Hopefully, I can be a part of a team that makes the playoffs one of these years. That'd be a personal goal of mine to work it for a team, work a playoff games. But uh, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's something. I mean, the walk up songs are obviously a part of that, and you get to learn a little bit about the player from each of them. So yep. That part of it is just uh, trying to find like, if, hey, if you get a new player who doesn't show up until six o'clock, you got to just throw a random something in there. Yeah. Or for visiting players, trying to find something funny to, right. but to the point where it's not offensive. So sure, sure. It's, uh, it's, we got to be careful on that line. Yep. But yeah, that's uh, always a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate it, Aaron. And um, just keep on spreading the word. I want to get as many listeners as possible. And of course, as many um, different personalities for guests as possible as well. So thank you again for coming on and taking the time, Aaron. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. I know you'll, uh, I know hopefully um, this all will we'll be back to hopefully hosting baseball games uh, and playing baseball games soon. So I hope now maybe we could uh, use this time to just spread some more stories and get the word out there so that when we do come back, we make it even better than ever. But uh, mm-hmm. right now, I guess thanks for having me on. Um, stay safe and we'll be. In touch in the future. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and I really appreciate it, Aaron. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yo. Again, they get me. Again, they get me. Again, they get me. Tiñapa. Again, they get me. Again, they get me. Again, they get me. Again, they get me. Tiñapa. Ahí viene Yelmin, el loco que más te batea. Ahí viene Yelmin, la saca cuando tú picheas. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.